0: You're listening to the church 2911 sermons podcast. you can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church 2911.com/ connect This summer at 2911 we're looking back at some of the iconic movies of the 1980s. This week we dig for the truths buried in Raiders of the Lost Ark.
1: okay so Indiana Jones this character and what what do you did right there uh, just some how many of you have seen that? That clip, if you haven't seen the movie, how many of you have at least seen that clip before, right? See, I think most of us have seen that, right? And uh, Indiana Jones, I mean, it's like that's what he was created for, is that kind of stuff. Be able to do that. I mean, it's just, and I, I know he's a fictional character, but. He was created, right? And he was created for that kind of stuff, being able to do all that. And you know, if you were to break all those little things down that you saw just in that one clip, you know, the idol, you know, trying to figure out the weight, and looked like he had it right there for a second, didn't it? Not quite. Uh, all of that, you know, the running, the jumping, and sliding up just in time, outrunning that. I think maybe on a good day, I might have been able to outrun the boulder or something, you know, because I'm pretty quick. You know, maybe I could have done that. But all of that, and all of that back to back to back, I don't, I don't know. I think he was he was just specifically gifted to be able to do that kind of thing but you know what he's not the only one you also were specifically gifted to do something amazing that nobody else can do there's probably nobody there's probably nobody really alive that could do everything that he did you know exactly like he did it you know maybe even in that one clip but you were specifically gifted to do things that nobody else could do either And the Bible speaks of that in Jeremiah. Let me show you. When God calls Jeremiah to start speaking for him, to be his prophet, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God says, he's saying this to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God says before, before, before you were, you know, before you were even anything, you were something in God's mind. God said, I knew you before you were anything, and before I formed you, I already knew you, and I knew who you were, and, and, and I also appointed, or, or meant that he planned, and he put all this in motion, that Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet for me to all the nations. You're going to be this prophet, and so, so God didn't just give him gifts. God gave him specific gifts for specific things that he could do, so, you know, kind of like, Indiana Jones was gifted for something that nobody else could do. So was Jeremiah. He was given this one thing to do. And Jeremiah's not the only person. You were as well. You and I both were. You know, uh, our 2911 scriptures, First Chronicles 2911, you know, God is sovereign. He, he owns everything, can make anything happen. Second Chronicles 2911 also tells us that, that he's chosen us to do it so we don't just sit back and watch God and God's actually, actually chosen us to be involved with him. And in Psalm 2911, he gives us peace and strength to be able to do all those things. And Jeremiah 2911 says... He has an awesome dream for you. Now, where was that? At? Jeremiah, 20, Jeremiah 29, twenty nine eleven. Yeah, that's, that's the one who says, Jeremiah, the same one right here, is the one that said that God has an awesome plan, and he's speaking to all of Israel, and he tells them, God has an awesome plan for us. So this one who, who hears at the very, very early in his life, when he hears that, that God has an awesome plan for him, he also finds out and he knows and he prophesies that God has a plan for all of you as well. And so we all have this awesome thing to do. But not all of us can be Indiana Jones. Oh, crud, you know, right? Right? Don't you wish? But all of us can. Some of you say, well, good. I don't want to be an Indiana Jones, right? Some of All of us can't be Indiana Jones. We've all got our specific things to do. But what we do oftentimes is we look at Indiana Jones and we say, well, he's the hero. He, everybody wants to be him, and he's the only one that's important. Nobody else matters, but that's not true. You know, just like Brent was saying, uh, Goonies last week, when he was talking about Goonies, you know, that if this movie only had Indiana Jones in it, you know, it would... It'd really be it'd really be boring after a while you know now some of you may not think that those of you who are fast and furious friends who think that you know you'd probably think something like that uh, that it wouldn't be boring just have one guy running around all the time doing all crazy kind of stuff but you know my wife and people like her, they would definitely think that would be a horribly boring movie and like Brent said also is he wouldn't live very long if he had been the only person in the movie you know, because there were a lot of other people, and like Satipo, the, the guide. Uh, now, he was also an opportunist, okay? if uh, We did have to cut out one. I uh, didn't have to cut it out, but it was a little gory for Sunday morning out of that clip just a moment ago. Some of you, some of you know uh, what we had to cut out, but he was, he was the guide. Indiana Jones would not have even found that idol in the first place if it hadn't been for him. Or Jock, who is the pilot, just a few minutes after he jumps out of the way of the the boulder, he is being chased by uh, all these natives. And Jock is the pilot, gets it cranked up, they fly out, and he gets them out to safety. Brody is the uh, the curator of the National Museum. He's the connection that helps Indiana Jones get a lot of the the funding and the financing or the permission to go to all these places that he goes and, and hunts for these artifacts facts. uh marion it it said in that clip in the trailer before i came out on stage it said it said that that she loved him and so it's kind of like she's portrayed as his love interest but she's more than that okay for those of you who know the movie remember she had the relic without that relic that she had they would have never found the ark that they were looking for all right and and so those of you if you don't even know the movie just Just listen to me. Believe me, okay? If it hadn't been for her having that relic. So she's not just the love interest. But let me me pause there for just a moment because that's what I think we do. A lot of times we we just kind of bring our uh, importance down to a level because we say, well, you know, like she was only the love interest. I mean, I think that's what people look at and think that's all she was. But she played such a very vital part. I think that's what you do a lot of times is you think that you're just, the buddy, or you're just the person that supports, or you're just this, and, and you're not really important as if she wasn't important, but you were, you're vital to the whole story and everything going on. Or Sala, uh, who Indiana Jones called the digger of Egypt, and uh, Katanga, who is the, the, the captain of the ship that helped uh, Indiana Jones and Marion escape, the villagers of Cairo, Indiana Jones comes comes down down the road in, in in Cairo in this in this big huge truck and they all spread out they let him pull in and in five seconds they completely hide this big truck I mean it goes from it goes from dust everywhere to to now in less than five seconds it looks like a market scene all over again next time you watch the movie just watch that and count it I dare you because I did I counted out and see in five seconds they they hid this huge truck you know they they had an ability right that was really needed at that point. And even Balak, who is the adversary of the movie. And, and uh, you know, we don't like to think about this. We don't, we don't like this part of life. But we need sometimes just a little, we need just a little bit of adversary in our life. We don't think of that. But you know what? If we didn't have a little bit of trouble in our life, a lot of us never get off the couch. Amen? If we didn't have a little something we had to do, A lot of us never do anything, so we need some of that every once in a while. We need something that pushes us, something that motivates us, something that challenges us, something that says, hey, come on, there is something better than this. Because if we didn't, we'd be happy, most of us would be happy with what we've got right now. And so even Balak, he was important. All these people are important. And and, and you may look and say, well, that Indiana Jones, he was the hero. He's the guy. He's the big cheese. He's the important one. You may look at people like that in your life. You may look at people like that in your church, in your family or at work and say they're the only ones that are important. But every one of these people are important because without them, Indiana Jones would not have made it very far in this movie. He would have died very early in this movie if it hadn't been for all of these people that are right there. They they may not have played a huge part, it doesn't look like, but they all played an important part. And we do too, every one of us. Romans 12. There are several verses there, and we use them at 2911. we used them a lot over the years. We haven't read them in a long time on a Sunday morning, so we need to read them today, okay? Beginning of verse 6, Paul writes, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Whatever it is, we've all been given something that we can do. Do you see yourself up there? Do you see yourself? Anybody, when we read through those, did you see yourself? Do you know where you are? And and if you don't, come to Growth Track. Because that's one of the things we do at Growth. Right? We help you figure out what that is, okay, and find your your place up there. But also, in in, in the very next book of the Bible, in First Corinthians, Paul kind of addresses this again to the church at Corinth in a little different way. Chapter 12, beginning verse 28, God is placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? I love that, because not only does he say God has said all those things, but he says does everybody do all these things all at once? Obviously not, right? But we all do these things and what we're all gifted in these ways. And I like the question there because because let me take that question one step further. Like teacher, that's one up there. Teaching, you know teachers? I'm not talking about people that have, that have the job of being a teacher or the vocation of being a teacher. I'm talking about people who are gifted to be teachers. Do you know people who are gifted to be teachers? If you know two of them, I, I guarantee you, They teach differently, don't they? They even, Even though they're both gifted to be teachers... They're gifted in that differently. You see, understand, that, that's why even though maybe some of you are teachers and some of you are givers and some of you are helpers and all those things, it, you still do it, do it differently or, or, or like the helpers. I mean, you know, really, we, we've got so many helpers around the church. I think that's one of the signs also that, that God is the one that does this. I mean, God is the one that gives us our gifts and passions because, you know, if it was just, if it was just luck or happenstance or just out of the gene pool how it all worked out, You know, it it would probably be spread out pretty even. We'd have the same number of administrators as we had helpers, as givers, and all those kinds of things, but that's just not the way it is. It's when you look around, when you do gift inventories in churches, and and anybody, any pastor, any church leader that's ever done gift inventory in their church, they will tell you that when you do that, you will find that you don't have very many administrator type leader, type A personalities that are saying, hey, let's do this and this, and they want to guide lead, and that's a good thing. Because, you know, if you have too many administrators and leaders in a group of people, you know what you've got? You're going to have war, you know, civil war, because they all know how it needs to be done, right? You ever been in the room with a whole bunch of administrators? You know what I'm talking about? And if you've got if you got an equal number of administrators and helpers, you know what you're going to do? You're going to kill all the helpers, because that means you've only got one helper to help every administrator, you know? So you're going to kill all the helpers because they got to do all the work that the administrators are finding for them to do, right? So when you find out that there are more people gifted as helpers a lot of times those behind the scenes people when you find that out you know what that tells me that tells me that God did this because he knows you know it's not just happenstance but that God has gifted us in the ways that we need to be used and here is something that is going to be life-changing for you if it hasn't yet happened when it happens to you this is going to be life-changing when you realize that the thing you are gifted to do is also the thing that you enjoy doing. You know, God is not trying to get you to do something you don't want to do. He's gifted you and given you passion for the same thing. It's just like my, my small group. Uh, just in the past couple of weeks, we've spent four mornings. I, I, I missed one of the mornings. They, they actually didn't tell me about it. They were trying to give me a day off, and they didn't even let me know they were doing it. But we spent four mornings building decks for one of the families in our church. And you know what? I didn't work a single day at her house. I, that was enjoyable. I mean. It- one thing was the camaraderie, the teamwork and how I mean I love seeing oh brother Jerry and brother Phil how man they had those those, those pickets they were just going with them laying them out and, and drilling those holes and we threw them up there and they were perfect man it was just amazing. I love that teamwork thing but not just that. I, I love to work with wood. I love to I love to build and create stuff like that. And several of those guys were that way and and it's, you know what it, it it wasn't like work to us. We went home tired, but it was it was our passion. God has gifted us and it given us passion in the same things. And so when, when you realize that, it's going to be life-changing for you to realize that what God has called you to do is also what you enjoy doing because he didn't, didn't just give you the ability, he's given you the love and the passion for it. And so w- w- you need to find that out because God's not asking you, he'll never ask you to do stuff like that. He's asking you to do just what he has gifted you and impassioned you to do. And it, and it makes it easy. It'll be life changing for you that then you can move into that thing that God has called you to do. You know, because I know, and you may know some people like this also. I know some people that the only way they see to get to the next level, say in their job, is they're just sitting around waiting for the boss to die so they can move up. You know? I, I mean, I know people like that. Or, or they're waiting for the manager of the department to retire so everybody gets to move up a step. Can I tell you something? If your only qualification for a promotion is for the boss to die, then you're not qualified for a promotion. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like this. I've seen this all all of my ministry in church. People saying, well, I'm going to start serving when I have more time. Yeah, you know what happens, don't you? (laughs) You know, or people saying, well, I'll start giving when I have more money. You know what happens, right? It's kind of like those people who say, well, we're going to have kids when we can afford them. Boy, there's a big laugh over here. I don't know what's going on. This, this family, I just, exactly, come on, some of you. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, you know, and I've, I've heard people say, let me, let me tell you this. Let me say it this way. Waiting to give or waiting to serve until you have more money or more time is like waiting to be friendly until you have friends. You know, and if you wait to be friendly to you, have, you're never going to have friends. You've got, uh, isn't that what they say? To, to, to have friends, you've got to be friendly. You know, so you've got to do that. And so, so even, I don't know, some of you are thinking, you're, gonna, you're never going to have the time. You know, and, and, and here's the thing that we learned. I mean, the Word of God tells us, doesn't it? Whatever you sow, that shall a man reap. Well, he's talking about money, is it? That's not what He says. He says, whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. So if he is planting good finances and good fertile soil, he's going to reap finances back from God because he's been giving. But if he is, if he is sowing or if he is giving of his time and his effort and his, if he is serving God in some way, he is sowing that, and that's got to come back to him or God's word is a lie. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You have something amazingly awesome to do for God. And as you do that thing for God, you're going to find time. I mean, this is one of the prayers I pray over you guys when you are serving and volunteering and giving of your time is I say, God, be true to your word, and I pray that you give this time it and give it back to them in time spent with their family that they didn't imagine that they would have. Because what happens is when you start trying to back up on God with your money, you're not going to have more money. You know, you're going to have less of the blessings of God. And when you start backing up with God on your time and your service, you're not going to have more time Because you're you're backing away from God, you're going to have less of God's blessing and and the fruitfulness that he can give you in the time that you're spending in doing the things that you're spending. The way to do it is to realize God has given me something amazing to do. I've got to find it and jump in here and do it. And then let God start blessing all of that. And then all of a sudden you're going to see all the rewards coming from that. Finances of of time, of, of, of effort, and of rest even as well. All of those things that God will bring back to you because of that. Okay, I've got, there's a picture here. I'm going to take you toward the end of the movie right here. There's a picture right here that it hit me this week. I love it. It's It's a great picture of something. Now, this is toward the end of the movie, and those of you who really, really know the movie... We thought about playing this clip here, but there are so many things that go on in the clip right after this picture that I do not have time to explain them all on a Sunday morning, in a Sunday morning service. Those of you who know the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's some weird, there's some cool weird stuff, though, going on in this, but, uh, that, that you ought to see. But this is the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant that Israel had, you know, as they were going to the Promised Land. That David had, you know, that Solomon had. We're talking about that Ark of the Covenant, and uh, in this movie, um, Hitler's Nazi. Hitler's got. I mean, he's looking for all these artifacts, and Hitler. I mean, he he, he didn't he didn't, he believed in all kinds of of uh, power and and even occultic stuff and and it's like hedging his bets wanting to have everything he could you know it's like he was he was even chasing us down so these are Nazis up here you know that that are there with the ark they found the ark they've they've recovered the ark Indiana Jones was actually the one that got them to it but now they've taken it from him and they're standing there three of them looking in the ark okay now, now think about what they're doing they're looking at the power of God They're looking at the presence of God. Now, this is not a good thing to do, Uh, and uh, and the people of Beth Shemesh found that out, and the scripture reference is in the online notes online if you want to see that, okay? They found out that's not a good thing to do is to try and look at the power and the presence of God. But here these three guys are. They're they're, they're looking at God, okay? They're just standing there, right? They're just standing there. And I thought how, man, that's an awesome picture of exactly what's going on In so many churches today, every Sunday morning, people just looking at God, just looking at him. Let me say this to you, okay? Christianity is not a spectator sport. God didn't intend on you to just look at him. God didn't intend on you to come on Sunday morning and... Look at him, you know, but I think that's what we do. A lot of times we come and say, okay, God, what have you got for me today? You know, what's God going to do today? What's, what is God going to say through the pastor? What is he going to tell me through the songs that are sung, you know, and all those kinds of things. What's God, what's God going to say and do, and, you know, and, and listen, those things are important and you need to hear what God's got to say. You need to, you need to listen and be moved by the, by the worship. You need to, all of that is important, but you don't come and sit and say, okay, what do you got, God? That's that God doesn't want us to just come look at him. God wants us to have a relationship with him. God wants to impact our lives. God wants to influence us. God wants to challenge us. God wants to, us to be wrapped up in him. And, and he wants to be wrapped up in us. He wants it to all be about this whole relationship thing. It's, so it's not, it's not a spectator thing. You know. I see in the Bible, I see people moving, I see people acting, I see people praying, I see people preaching, I I see people going, I see people doing, I see people working behind the scenes, I don't see people sitting around, okay, God, what you got next? I don't see I don't see that in scripture, but I see I see it on a lot of Sunday mornings. The people coming and looking at it, okay, God, what you got? And and you know, I've also heard this, watched this a lot, in my years of pastoral ministry. It's people that have taken two or three scriptures out of the Bible and used them as an excuse. That one that says, "Stand still, stand still, and see sal- salvation of the Lord." And I've heard people say, "So I'm just—that's what I'm doing. I'm standing, I'm standing still. That God's going to show up. And he's going to do something amazing." I want—I want to. In case you're—you're you're thinking that, I want to take you to. I think there are three. I I can find three in the Bible, three times where God says stand still, okay? I want to take you to those three because I want to show you something because I don't want you standing still until it's time to stand still because when it's time to stand still, something amazing is about to happen. But until it's time to stand still, we got to do what we got to do, okay? So let me show you these three things real quick. The first one is the Israelites. And this is right after they're leaving Egypt. You know, they were in slavery for hundreds of years. And in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Now, I've heard people use this, but they use it as an excuse. Most of the people I've heard use this. I've used it. Man, I, I've, I've used that as a, as a promise. I've prayed this and said, God, I want what you promised the Israelites that day. This, this, this enemy that I'm facing today, I've been facing it and I've been facing it. And, I've been, and God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it to be gone. And I want you to give me the promise that you gave them. God, I want this enemy to be gone and gone forever. And I stood on that. You know, but if you're not careful, you say, that's, all, that's not all it is. There's a whole lot more going on. Now, let me tell you what these people had to, get, had to do to get to this place where God said, stand still, okay? If you want to do what they had to do so you can get to this place, let me tell you, here's, how, here's, here's what you got to do. First thing is, you got to load up your ox cart. With all the possessions you got, you got to load them on an ox cart. Now, I know most of us are going to have to have plenty of ox carts to load up all the stuff we've got, right? Load up your ox cart. And then you've got to lead that hawk's walk 240 or 250 miles. That's how far they went from, from Goshen in Egypt over to the Red Sea. And they get to the Red Sea, and they've gone all the way up to the border of the Red Sea, the edge of the Red Sea. They can't go any further. They've gone as far as they can go. Get this. Hear it. They have gone as far as they can go before they hear God say this. And now there's an army. Pharaoh has decided, no, I don't want you to go. And so now he sent his army out to come get them. Now they are trapped between the army and the Red Sea. We can't go anywhere. Moses, what are we going to do? you got to do something As God brought us out here to die. And God speaks and says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. They had a lot they had to do to get to this place. It's not about opening your Bible and say, okay, God, what you got for me? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There's a lot more. Goal. You've got something to do. You're blessed in some way. You're anointed in some way. You're, you're gifted in some way. You've got something to do, and you've got to do that. And, and getting to that Red Sea means you've gone as far. There, I don't have another step I can take. I've gone as far as I can go, and now God says stand still because I'm about to do something amazing. And I've got to say this. I was a little worried when people hear this thing about moving. They start thinking about all the stuff they can move in their lives. And we're moving the wrong stuff. Because I see a lot of times, go to that next slide, I see a lot of times what we do is we change jobs, we change houses, and some people even change spouses. Realizing that that's not what is going to make the difference because the change that is needed is inside. You can change all the jobs and all the houses and all the spouses you want. But until you change the inside, you see, it's not your circumstances that will change your situation. Your circumstances are probably what have got you in your situation. and They're going to probably make it worse. You are the one who is going to change your situation with God's help. And God is saying, come on, I want to help you in this I want to help you get there. I want to help you do this. I want to get you to the place where I can now say, okay, stand still now and watch me do the rest. That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do for us, to enable us. Okay, let me take you to the second one. Forty years later, some of these same people, all right, a lot of them died. A lot of them died during the 40 years in between the Red Sea and, and, and uh, the, Jericho River, uh, the Jordan River. Uh, a, lot of them, a lot of them died, but 40 years later, We kind of hear God say the same thing, Joshua 3 and 8. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the banks of the Jordan River. Take a few steps into the river and stop there. Okay, again, stop there. I've heard people say, This is what I'm doing. I'm stopping. I'm waiting on God. He's about to open the promised land to me. But you got to remember, they did a whole lot before they got. Did you hear me say 40 years? 40 years they went. Now, I'm praying, God, please don't let that be our lot that we got to wait 40 years. To hear you say, stand still. No, you don't. You don't. Most of the people that waited that long, they actually died in the wilderness. This was a younger crowd. So you won't have to, but that's up to you. How long do you want to wait? Until you get ready to do the things that you need to do, you see here. Here's what they did: is they they travel this and they get all, all those 40 years, and they get to the Jordan River. They're right; the Promised Land is right across the river. They can see it now. That place that God called a, play, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place that He promised them forever and forever and forever, that place that would always be theirs and is today still theirs. I don't know if y'all looked at a map lately or not, but Israel is still right there on the map, on that other side of the Jordan River. You know that God promised it. They're they're looking at it and they're standing right there. And that night, God says, God says, I I want the priest to go out and do this. Instead, tomorrow, this is going to happen. And you're going to stand still. And I'm going to, I'm going to open the promised land up to you. So what they did is that night, they also had to purify themselves. Now they had to go through some ritual stuff that is old Testament. It's been changed in the new Testament because it's been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And we don't have to kill all those Goats and lambs and all those things and sprinkle blood and water everywhere. We don't have to do it. Jesus Christ has already done that for us. So you know what it really means to us when we talk about purify. It means we need to pray about some stuff. Come on, you got any unrepentant sin in your life? You got anything that you hadn't talked to God about? Purify yourself. That's what he, that's what the 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 uh, parallel is for us in the New Testament church that we are. Is that we need to we need to deal with some things. Make sure that we're standing right with God. That that we've we've uh, wronged anybody. We go back and we fix that. If we've stolen from anybody, we go back and make that right. If we've hurt anybody, we go and apologize. And whatever is between us and God, we fix that. And then they got up the next morning, the priest got their robes on, got them on just exactly right. All the people got dressed. The priest went over, they picked up the ark, they went over to the edge of the Jordan River. And if they had stopped there, they wouldn't have had the promised land. Because God said, take a few steps into the river. You see, here's what some of you need to be doing. You need to take the step that has not been taken. Some of you know exactly what, not what I mean, but what God's spirit means right now, because you know something you need to do that you hadn't done. You know, something that you need to take care of, something that you need to handle, someone you need to talk to this afternoon. Take that step because when you take that step, it it may be that you're right right at the edge of the opening of the promises before you and all you got to do is take that one last step that has not been taken and God's ready to say, okay, stand still now and watch me do my work. What an amazing day that's going to be when you hear that, right? What an amazing day. Third third time that I've seen this in scriptures in Chronicles. First Chronicles, chapter, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 17. God says, but you will not even need to fight. Wow, I won't even have to fight. He's talking to an army here, really. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. What's going on here is the kingdom of Judah, God's people, they have three armies bearing down on them. And God says, you're not even going to have to fight. And I've heard, people, I've heard people say it that quick and say, so that's what I'm standing on. I don't even have to fight. That's, that's not what happened here. They, they did more than just find out there was a problem and then hear God say, just stand still. Because when they heard there were three armies, you know what they did? They went to prayer. Have you prayed? If you had not prayed yet, man, that's one big step you're not taking. But then they fasted. And it wasn't just a couple of people that fasted. The whole country was called to a fast by the king now fasting is a prolonged period of time of doing without food because of some situation in your life that you've got to have god help you with that's basically what fasting is okay and the king called everybody to fast he said man we're about to be overrun by three armies so everybody fast and pray and seek after god and then the next morning you know what they did? They heard this, but you know what the next morning before they actually got to the place to stand still, that next morning, the army got up. Now, they just heard, you're not going to need to fight. But the next morning, the army got up, and they put on their armor. They put on their, 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 their fighting clothes. They put on, you know, their sidearm, their, their sword, their weapon. They, they got their, their shields, you know, whatever it is that they, they carried into battle normally. They did, just as if they were going to fight. But it wasn't just them. The choir also got ready. The choir got ready. They put on their robes or whatever it is they wore. And because God had told the king, you're not going to have to fight, he said, well, if we're not going to have to fight, let's put the choir out in front of the army then. And let's let them go forth praising and worshiping God. And so here's what they sang. They sang, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Can you get this picture? They are walking into the mouths of three armies that are invading them, and they're singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Let me tell you something. Anybody can sing after the battle's over. Anybody can worship God after he has already given you the victory you need. But this is about attitude right here. Can you worship God when the enemy is still threatening and cursing you and threatening to destroy you? Can you still worship God when the adversary is still in your face? Can you still worship God when you know that all you've got are some promises and you don't see any sign of the promises coming to pass yet? Can you worship? That's the question right here. Because if you want to get to the place where God says, okay, now stay. Stand still and watch me do something amazing. You're gonna have you're gonna to have to take some actions here. You're gonna to have to have some change of attitude. You're gonna to have to have some movement right here. Let me. I, I want to ask somebody. I, I want to help some help right here with this message. Is there anybody in here that you have ever heard God say, "Stand still and then you watched Him move"? Raise your hand. Does anybody here that's ever had that happen? I've got my hand up because it's happened to me several times. But it didn't happen the first day I found out I had a problem because I had something to do. I had some place to serve or I had some place to give or I had something I had to fix. I had something I had to change. I had something I had to do. My prayer for you is you get to the place where you hear God say, stand still and watch me because I'm about to do something amazing. But until you hear him say that, Then you get up, rise up, dress, load the wagons, and keep on walking. I fully believe, with everything within me, in God, I believe somebody needed to hear that today. That's what you needed to hear. I I believe that God wanted those words on the screen right now for somebody in this room, and probably more than one somebody. You needed to hear this, and you know exactly what it means. you got to start loading your wagons. But wait a minute. What if I don't hear God tell me today which direction to go? Did he tell you yesterday? If he told you to go this way today, and tomorrow when you wake up, he don't tell you any different. Keep walking. When it gets time to turn right or left, he'll tell you. You keep walking the direction he told you last time. Get up every day, dress, load the wagons, and keep on walking. But That doesn't mean anything to some of you, so some of you need to hear something else. It is my prayer for you that one day you hear God say, stand still because I am about to do something amazing, and I want you to see it. I don't want you to be busy doing stuff. I want you to stand still and see this. Until that day happens, though, you need to rise up, dress, prepare, and Take the presence of God before your family into the future that God has dreamed for you. That meant somebody, I I, I believe, i got three statements going up here, and I believe believe these three are for some people specifically in this room right now. I, I hope that every one of you hit one of these hits. But some of you know exactly what that means, that you need to be, that you need to do something different about having the presence of God going before your family in a day-to-day-to-day basis. Every day, rise up, dress, and take the presence of God before your family into the future. He is prepared for you. But some of you, that didn't mean anything either. You, needed, you need to hear something else today. It is my prayer for you that one day you hear God say, stand still and see something amazing that you would never have dreamed would happen. But until you get there, until you get there, are you listening? Until you get there, rise up, dress, prepare, and go to war. Some of you need to hear that today, and I know who some of you are. I'm so excited about the sermon series, we're going to start in two weeks after Little Mermaid next week, okay? I'm so excited about the sermon series, we're going to start in two weeks, because let me tell you this, sometimes there is nothing less that you can do except go to war. When you're talking about your family, when you're talking about your marriages, when you're talking about your kids, your grandkids, when you're talking about your future, Sometimes it's time to go to war. And let me tell you anytime there's something against my family, it's not time it's not time for those one little one of those little. Now I lay me down to sleep prayers. It's time to go to war. Some of you need to listen to me cuz you you know what I'm talking about right here. Is every day you need to rise up. You need to dress. You need to prepare and you need to go to war. Because it's the only thing. Go ahead. Yes. It's the, only, it's the only thing that's going to get you to that place where you can hear the words, stand still. I'm about to fight this battle for you. But you understand that the, that the army went fully clothed, ready to fight, and just watched.
0: You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com If you would like to know more about our church including information about our weekly services please check out church2911.com Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you and as always, we dare you to dream.